Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary LA and enjoy the message. Here we go. So we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you this question, um, Crystal Gale. Um, how how do I? And it should be up here on the screens. I, I believe they got that one up there. But how do I live as a person of faith in today's world? Um, let's go right. Let's jump in. Yeah. Um, so this is basically the defining question of the series. It's really um, God, race, and culture. Being a person of faith in today's world. Um, how do I live as a person of faith in today's world? Um, I think it's just important for us to just be, be who God created you to be. Um, I find that in the world today, there's so much struggle with identity and who we are and purpose and what am I supposed to do? What did God, yeah, where do I belong? What did God place me on this earth for? And if I don't get it right, am I gonna live a life that lacks fulfillment? And and I just think we struggle so much with those questions um, that we just forget to just be and to just live and to just take every day, every day. Um, God's, God's a part of our every day. And when you are your, when you are just who you are, who God created you to be, um, people are attracted to that. People want, if there's anything people are looking for nowadays, it's authenticity and the realness of people. And the moment we try to circumvent who we are with what we're wearing or or um, just um, things and who we hang out with and, and things like that, it becomes, um, it's building barriers to the person that we really are. And then fewer and fewer people actually get to know the real person because we don't always present that true person up front. We always, we always give a little facade first. We're like, let me, let me just, feel the situation out. I'll give you a little piece of me here and we'll see how that goes and then and then we'll move forward. But what people really want is who are you? Like, who are you really? And we ask our daughter this all the time. We're like, Gia, who are you? And we're teaching her to be like, I'm Giovanna Noel Mandoli. <laughs> That's who I am. That's my name. I'm a yeah. child of God. My Dominico says Dominico Mandoli. <laughs> he says it with a little more punch. But um, we're teaching them, like, know who you are. When someone asks you who you are, if you don't know who you are, other people are going to tell you who you are. And it's so important that um, you be who you are in this world. How do I be, how do I live as a person of faith in today's world? I live as a person of faith because I am as a, a person of faith. I'm a person of faith. So anyone who meets me is going to know I'm a person of faith. And the person of faith that I am doesn't take away from who you are doesn't take away from who he is. This is just a part of who I am. This is a part of my identity. And I hope that when any person leaves my presence, they have a little taste of that faith that's inside of me. I might always, I might not always be like, I love Jesus and Jesus wants to save you. And I'm not always going to be like that. But I know that when people leave my presence, they know that there's something different. And that something different is what draws them back for more. And it's so important that that's who you live as. Faith is not who we are as Christians. That's not a piece of us. 
That's who we are. Everything comes out of our faith. Everything comes out of who we are in Jesus. Everything comes out of that place of identity. That is how you define who you are. The more you come to know the Lord, the more you discover who you are right. in him. And it, it solidifies and creates a foundation for you. So when you step into environments that are uncomfortable, or you step into environments that are not normal or, or strange or difficult for you, it doesn't shift who you are because your confidence isn't in my environment. It's in who God created me to be. And it's so important that that is where it starts. How do you be a person of faith in, in today's world? Know who you are in Jesus Amen. first. That is first and fo foremost. Yeah. Because then you can go anywhere and nothing will shake you. No one can tell you differently. No one can tell you who you are. They can try and tell you who you are, but you're like, you know what? Yeah, that don't work here. You can keep that. That's not for me. Might be okay for you, but that's not okay for me. This is who I am. I'm proud of who I am. I'm not going to shy away from who I am, but I can love you in the middle of who I am as well. That's good. Come on, give it I know that was like again. a general like yeah. response. It's not yeah. a specific one, but it's just really, it, it, it comes back to identity, knowing who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you will be lost in this world. And that's where we find a lot of people. They just don't know. It's like if you knew who you really were in Jesus, nothing can shake you. That, that anchor keeps you when things start to shake you. You might move over here, move over here, but you're not going to move very far because you're anchored in the truth of who you are. So that's the that's good. how I live so as a being person, a, of, faith yeah, being a person of faith in today's world. And so I want to read the scripture here, and we'll kind of go back and talk some more, but I want to read this here. John chapter 17, verse 14. I'll read it. Um, and this is 14 to 19, five verses. Uh, this is Jesus actually praying. We're going to read one, a part of his prayer. And this is powerful in respect to this series. And it kind of, it really kind of encapsulates what we're going with today. It says, I have given them your word. He's praying this about us or his disciples. And, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Uh, just as I am not of the world, I do not pray. Here we go. I do not pray that you would take them out of the world. Christians and Christ followers should never um, hide from the realities of the world. And, and, and shout at the darkness. Go change it. Quit talking about it. Somebody say amen. And, and nowhere, this is Jesus' prayer for you. Lord, I don't pray that they leave the world in the sense of retreat and not engage. As we said, uh, I do not pray that they should take, that, that you should, talking to his father, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one or spiritually guard them from wickedness or to watch over them. You know, I, and I believe this uh, with all my heart, according to God's word, that God's watching over you. I mean, look at you made it this far. I mean, you've been through some things. You've had some struggles. Look at you in church in Boyle Heights on a Sunday morning. What you doing here? Everything you've been through. Look at God's watching over you. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, tell him God's watching over me. So that, that, that I don't pray that take them out of the world, but I pray that, that you would keep them from the evil one. Uh, they are not of the world. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not from here. And look back at somebody. Tell, ask them, where are you from? Look back and say, I'm from heaven. From heaven. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, I've been sent here. All right? All right? They are, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Christ in us. 
but here it is, sanctify them by your truth. That's a, that's a fancy word, biblical word. It basically means separate or special, uniquely different than the rest, uncommon. That's what sanctify means, all right? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Or I, you could say culture, or you could say society, or you could say your world, where whatever that is in, in, in the context of your life. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself and, and that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Um, so God separates you and he sends you. This is the thing I think the church historically hundreds of years have gotten this wrong is because it's, it's become, they've taken scriptures like this and they think that they need to go like hide in a commune for the rest of their life and literally retreat from the world. But that is not his prayer. This is really speaking of our lifestyle in the midst of a dark world that we can be in it and not of it. Okay, and so, and then you got on the other side, the extreme of people engaging in culture, but then they're getting swallowed up by it. And so I don't have all the answers to this, but this is where we live as pastors, engaging culture and yet remaining holy in the eyes of God. And that is God's heart because we can't be effective if we aren't salt and light out there. And we can't be effective if we're just retreating from it. Uh, because we're scared of it. Amen. And so it's that balance. So, so really, I just want to explain this and I'll have Crystal Gale um, share some things as well. But culture is a beautiful thing. How many of you just appreciate certain things about your ethnic culture? Uh, the food, maybe? Uh, maybe? Yes, yes. We have uh, um, uh, El Salvadorian here in here. And yes, yes. He's like, what is it? Papusas, right? Yes. Pa yeah, papusas. Right? And different cold food, you know. Food is an amazing thing, right? Like, anybody agree with that, right? Like, any, you know, different types of food, uh, like Korean food and Vietnamese food. And, and, I mean, you know we love tacos here. So, you know, we don't even need to say that. Uh, but different, my wife uh, is West Indian. Uh, her dad is um, from Barbados. Her mom is from Trinidad. And so they have these unique foods. It's called... Um, um, it's the curry. Stop. Should I help? Hold on. I know what it is. Struggle for a second. Uh, roti. It's called roti. So it's almost, it's like a curry burrito kind of. If you get well, anyway, but it is. I just destroyed it. See what happens? White people problems. I'm always messing up. I'm trying though. That's his. his that's yeah. the way he no. can. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, it's called roti. It's not a burrito. It's not a burrito. <laughs> That's all I know. I'm born and raised in California. It's like, looks like, kind of like a burrito. So anyway, but culture is beautiful. And it's a beautiful part of life and it is to be enjoyed. Hopefully we're some cultured people and that we don't live in our own little bubble, especially being in such a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi, you know, there's so much history in Los Angeles, just cultural history. Like, let's enjoy this, all right? Um, it is something to be enjoyed and appreciated. And I'm not just downplaying culture just to food. That's just the part that I know I'd get y'all smiling about. But, but you know, culture um, is beautiful and, 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 and it is to be enjoyed, but, it, but Christ is sacred. It's a difference. Culture is not sacred. Yes. Um, Christ, our faith 
like just looking at the diversity in the room, the reason we're here is because we believe in Jesus. Culture are the things we get. That's what we get to enjoy as a result of us joining together because of our faith. Our primary connector is because we love Jesus. I love Jesus, you love Jesus. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what, what race you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. We are here together because we love Jesus. I get to enjoy your culture because we're here together. And I think that sometimes for, for us, it's difficult to separate. It's difficult for us to recognize what is actually most important. People will put culture before relationship with Jesus. Well, this is what my culture says. This is, this is how I'm supposed to behave based on what I've been taught. But really, if that behavior doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's secondary. Culture or no culture. Jesus is first. Kingdom. Kingdom is first. Culture is secondary. And I know that's a hard truth to swallow um, when there are such strong cultural um, things that bring us together. There are things that, as a culture, you can relate. You can see someone who's like you on the street and they'll just say, hi, you, never, you don't know this person? <laughs> <laughs> never seen them before. There are things that'll connect you to people just because of culture, but ultimately as kingdom people, as Christ followers, our number one connector is Jesus. And if culture comes before that, you need to check your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. John Chris. John Chris. Check your, my wife said you gotta, it. Check your heart. You got to check your heart. If those things come before your relationship with the Lord, it comes before. If it's preventing you from yeah, seeing freedom, your, freedom, your be freedom. fellow believer as God sees yes. them, check your heart. Yes. Check your filter. Yeah. There's yeah. something in your filter that isn't clean. And if it's culture, culture needs to bow. Yeah. And this culture is the thing too. To come under that. Right. When culture is secondary, we can experience your culture in a healthy way. And I... It, when when Christ is first, it is a doorway to experience yeah. culture, yeah. because it's Christ, and we are accepted in the beloved. And this, you know, connection through Christ is actually what enables a Christian community to enjoy and celebrate culture. When Christ is first, it's not something that that shuts down your culture or or snuffs it out. It actually brings it out. Yeah, it actually, Christ brings beauty to everything, yeah. and that that's a beautiful thing. And then there are certain things like you know. So culture. This is the definition. If you're if you're a note taker, uh, the the behaviors and beliefs characteristic of a particular social, ethnic, or age group. There's youth culture. There's millennial culture. Right, I'm Gen X, so I'll, sometimes I'll look at millennials and go like, man, I need to learn some things here, right? I'll be like, man, when I was young, I was walking five miles in the snow. Look at you, millennials. No. Right? So, so sometimes we can, without trying, we can create barriers between cultures, age group. And I'll be honest with you, like sometimes even when I'm messing around, I got to be careful. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I, I want, we desire young people. I want to empower young people. I want to hang out with young people. I want to create that bridge. I might not, I'm not where they are. I'm not in that culture, but I'm going to create a bridge as a as a more mature saint somebody say man I didn't say old I said because I'm a little more seasoned right and so you know I just need you know but what I'm saying is like I it's my responsibility on this side of the generational gap yeah. to make an effort to create a bit bridge yeah. for young people 
Amen. I want, I, I, I want to be one of the oldest people in this community. I want to create a bridge for young people. You just might be. You just might be. <laughs> right. What you talking about? No. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, so once again, I'm going to read it again. Culture. This is what it is. This is what culture is by definition. The behaviors and beliefs characteristic of a particular social, ethnic, or age group. Certain, I come from a skateboard culture. There's things in there I still love today. But there are certain things, I think I shared this last week or the week before, that there are certain things that are so anti-Christ, if I can say that, that I don't want any part of it. And it comes from that culture. I'm not saying that um, it's all bad and all evil, but I have to pass my, that's my culture, okay? The culture I come from, the things that I have come out of, been delivered of, I would say predominantly come from that culture. I was, that's where I lived for most of my life. And so I had to, I have to pass my culture, this subculture through Christ. And there's things that pass through. That, that, that I can still enjoy. It's just maybe a style or approach or certain language. It's a beautiful thing too. Once again, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful. It's a part of life. But Christ is the one person that is sacred in culture. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so there we go. So that's scripture. Um, and so, you know, God, you know, he, um, we want to go to, just go to the next one. Okay, here we go. Here, next question. Um, want to read it, babe? Yes, I am. How do we help others in their faith when their life is still a mess? All right. I wanted to use extreme language because I think all of us might have an area that is a mess. I think I have some myself. You know, um, I think at times, you know, when we're, when we as a com I, community engaging with people and I'll try to answer this the best I can is um, when we come to Christ, um, we don't have it all together. And I've been walking with the Lord for some years now and I still don't have it all together. And so, um, so I want you to process this question, and we'll kind of talk about it here a little bit, but how do you help a person when they are coming, they've come to Christ, or they're working out their salvation, and they're still a mess? Like, how do we walk with people through that? I'll say in my generation, in the church culture, because church has a culture, it doesn't necessarily mean it's kingdom, it's just church. When I first got saved, I mean, at the door, okay? We're going to take you shopping. Suit, tie, <laughs> shiny shoes. Like that was the culture. It's not in the Bible. It's not one of the Ten Commandments. It's not sacred, but that's the culture I came into as a teenager when I came to church. It was like, you know, pull your pants up, you know what I'm saying, um, and tuck your shirt in and all that. Now I wear my shirt out. Um, because there's just more freedom, I think, nowadays. But back then, I think, in the church culture I experienced, and my wife can maybe speak to this a little bit, that there was no journey. Like, they weren't like, hey, we're going to walk with you. They're like, you need to get right now. <laughs> and it was like, I'm like, I'm fresh out of the world, pot smoking. I mean, still in the parking lot of the church. Um, just fresh out of the world, like just high as a kite at youth group, like just bloodshot eyes. And like all, all the leaders were like, he's just here for the girls, you know? But they, um, so it was like, man, you, you got to get right now. And there wasn't much of a journey in my experience. It was like, man, the standard now at the door was like, get right before you come up in here in a sense. And I think church has done better 
at, hey, man, you don't have to believe to belong. And, and we're a community. We're here with you. And I, th- I believe we're reaching more people as a church. And we're creating an environment for people to walk on their journey and knowing and walking with God better than before. There are things I do appreciate for back then, from back then, because I had to learn quick. Um, but did you want to speak to that um, as well? Like, how do we help others in their faith when their life is still a mess? Well, how about I read this? Jude um, chapter 1. 22 through 23, um, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And I think it's, it's nowadays, it's, it's a fine line. It's a fine line because there's some people you have to literally snatch out, like you gotta show some tough love and be like, get your life right. You're going to go down this path and you're going to destroy yourself if you don't get your life right. And there's some people who just need the love. They just need support. They just need encouragement. They just need you need to know that you're there to kind of help them push them along. And I mean, I can tell you a story of a woman once I would meet with her on a regular basis and and uh, she got into this relationship with this guy and I was like this is this is a bad idea <laughs> this is a bad idea don't do this she was going to make some decisions and I said don't do this please this is the hardest thing when you plead with somebody <laughs> And you're looking them in the eye and you're like, don't do this. I can see where this is going to take you. This will not have a good ending for you. And to see them still make the decision and you see it all unfold. And then they come around full circle. Like it's sometimes the hardest thing. Even when you show the love, you show the tough love and they still, people are people. They're going to make their own decisions. You're in people's lives to impact them, to encourage them, to challenge them. And a lot of times it depends on the depth of your relationship with people. Some people will receive that tough love from you and some people won't. And you have to know what that balance is with people. You have to know when it's time to go there. And you gotta be, you gotta be sensitive to people's journey, sensitive to what God is doing in their lives and what they're ready to hear in that moment. And that responsibility falls on you. And it's not a weighty responsibility. It's just a responsibility because sometimes God places people in your life to help them out, to get them from here to here. And when people are living their lives in a mess and you're seeing them living in a mess, like, that's like my children. If I see them living in a mess, I'm going to do everything in my power to snatch them out of that mess. It's the same thing for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about people we're spending eternity with. We're talking about a connection with people that's deeper than blood. This is, this is a stronger connection than a blood connection. We're talking about a spiritual connection here. And I see you going down a path and I, I say nothing. I don't intercept in your life. I don't make the decision to kind of pause and take a moment and step in there and say something. There will be consequences, whether it's for that person or for yourself, something you're gonna have to walk through after just thinking about what could I have done? What could I have done differently? And I just want to encourage you, when you do see other people in their mess, um, 
pray about it and be like, God, what's the best course of action? And when do I act? What do I do? Because you see it and recognize it, that's, your, that's responsibility right there. For you to see something, know something, and know that you can do something and do nothing about it, you are just as responsible <laughs> for that person walking down that path because you never know if you, you were supposed to be that person to step into their path in that moment to just share a little love, share a little truth that might cause them to pause. Whether they pause in that moment or pause five years down the road, they will remember. I don't know one person that doesn't remember a person who stepped into their life and was pivotal in a moment in their life. You can all think of someone right now who was pivotal in a decision that you had to make in your life. That's how important it is to someone else. So I just, I think it's just, um, yeah, we have to have compassion, but we have to know when it's time to be like, no, I'm gonna snatch you. I have to drag you out of here. I'm gonna drag you out of here. Um, you might hate me after, but that's okay. <laughs> I can live with that. As long as I get to spend eternity with you, I'm okay if you hate me here on earth. I will see you in heaven. <laughs> and we will live together in harmony and unity later. <laughs> right. But sometimes it yeah. takes those hard decisions for us to just be like, hey, here we go. Yeah, and the, the relationship determines that. It says on, on this scripture, it says, and on some have compassion, making the distinction, which is really um, making a distinction. It means show judgment. To So so what we want to do, we don't want to hate the person, uh, but we hate what's killing them. Um, and we don't want to judge people, but be a person of judgment. It's possible to be a person of judgment and not judge them. Um, and so this is a point here I wanted them to put up there, but don't judge people, journey with them. Yeah. Um, I, I believe Jesus journeyed with Peter. That he, the savior of the world was associated with somebody that carried a shank. <laughs> and he used it on um, a police official, a Roman guard, cut his ear off. Uh, Jesus associated with Peter and he had a horrible mouth. Jesus, our savior, journeyed with the man for years that still struggled. He was okay with being associated with him. God associated with Jacob, a deceiver, a supplanter. And God's like, look, I'm about to get you alone. I'm gonna put you in a, in a headlock. I'm gonna bust your hip. You know what I mean? And he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the deceiver, Jacob, right? And so we as a, we as a community, when it comes to God and, and culture and people coming with cultural things, that things from their past, and they're on their journey, um, you know, uh, journey with them, okay? We're all and, a little judgy. Like, right. everybody's a little judgy. You know you're a little judgy. You all have, everyone has a little filter. You look at people through. You yeah. might say, oh, I'm the least judgmental person ever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when you're alone and something gets on your nerves, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. I'm so stupid. Oh, Lord, forgive me, but. Everyone. Anybody done that? Like you say, you know, come on. I know. Look at, don't look at me like you're not judging. Uh, my wife said it like when we were studying this together. I was like, babe, that's beautiful. I'm going to put that out. Because it's true. We all, we all got a little snap in us. Some of us more than others. 
We used to look at other parents with their kids. Oh yeah, kids before we had kids. Misbehaving in the store. In the grocery like, store, we're like, never, not me. Don't know what they're doing. Why yeah, are their kids yeah. acting like that like, in public? Psh, I'd whoop that child. Kids. Yeah. And we. We are humble. Pretty fast. I'm a broken man. <laughs> I just want to be like Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I just want my kids to know God. It's like you. Until you're in a person's yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. you need to show Put them house. shoes on and you put the shoes on and you'll be like, oh, I just want to be like God. I mean, I just, I'm just thankful for his mercy. Yeah. You just, we got to watch ourselves. Yeah. Watch your filters. Because yeah. um, like I said, we're all a little, little judgy. Yeah. It's and we yeah. have to just, we have to check that. Yeah. You got to know yeah. when you're, you're not seeing things through the right filter. Right. And you can evaluate that. You know. We're you know when yeah. you're when you're not right, when yeah. you're looking at someone kind of sideways and you need to fix your face. Like you know that, so that's not something that we can necessarily tell you. You need to do this, this, and this. That is like an internal thing. That's a work that comes from the inside out, and you got to be sensitive to those things. Right, and um, many times we're most judgmental with areas of sin that we have overcome. Instead of helping them, because you have a grace in that area, we judge them, thinking, what? Like, I haven't done that since before I got saved. They're <laughs> saved and they do that? You know, we, we're, we're very judgmental in areas we're strong in, and we got to reel that in. Yeah. And how about help them in the area you're strong in, not judge them. Journey with people. Let's not judge them. Let's journey with them. Amen. Okay, and we had another question. Yeah, we had two, two, more, two more questions, questions here. So this one, I'm going to read um, the preface to it. We didn't put the whole preface. This is a literal question, and, and there's some language here. I'm going to read, and then the question will be up there. But it says this. This was submitted to us. I, I had a coworker say that, that he would not raise a child in today's culture. We live in a world where babies can be killed right before birth. Um, the same sex can marry legally, and mass shootings are on the rise. Here's the question. Is it fair to raise a child in the mayhem of this world. Any parents ever thought that? Anybody that hasn't had a child yet, you're like, man, do I want a child here? And so um, I'll answer it this way. Um, as Christ followers in the earth, like we said before, we're sent here. So, so I'm on a mission. And part of my mission is to help to raise godly seed in the middle of this world i am i am you know what and and our third is a surprise 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 um i'm, I'm still wa walking it out i'm still in shock just a little bit. yeah just a little bit we're like oh oh thank you lord right when when it happened we're like oh I didn't say anything. And my wife's like, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm, I'm totally fine. Right? Yeah. Pastor Jay's wife, Christy, we told her yesterday, our pastors, and she was like, um, you in shock, Sean? Like, and I'm like, no, I'm, I, you know, but it was a surprise. But even with the surprise element, um, we're on a mission here. And I understand this world is, is there's a, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of bad stuff out there, but they're not raising my kids, we are. Yeah. And so, and I get the fear if somebody's not saved, but I am saved and God is with us. And, 
and we're called to make a difference and I'm not waiting I'm not waiting for the world to get better let's just make a difference in our world let's see what God can do through us I, I think it's a great question because I think it's a, it's a I've felt these I've had these thoughts but when I process I think it's a beautiful question because it's a real thing but I'm here to tell you to encourage you if you have any fear and but you have a desire to have children and any fear about it based on this I encourage you to to raise a godly seed because what if that's a world changer? What if they change something you're fearing for them to grow up in? What if they're the change maker? Amen? So, but thank you for that question. Um, you know, and so, uh, and we um, have a missional mindset. I, I, or when we have a missional mindset as believers in culture, um, you know, our perspective of parenting is different. And here's another thing I wanted to touch on before we answer the last one is um, diversity. And this is for me, I, my wife and I are both on the same page, but this is very important to me as an individual that I put diversity on the same playing field as morality when it comes to my children. And this is why, not just because my wife is black, but because Jesus taught us this. Jesus said, and if you want to take notes, you can write it down. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 22, Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother without reason, um, you know, you're, you're guilty of hell fire. And if you call your brother a fool, you're a murderer. So Jesus, Jesus took social rhetoric or commentary or hateful language towards people and he put it on the same moral plane as being a murderer and so for our children it is very important to me that they are around people that are not like them socio-economic ethnic generational because it will affect their outlook on people later in life in a positive way and Jesus taught us that our words towards another human being as simple as a word is fool you're guilty of murder he put it on the same um, playing field and so um, so that's a very uh, important when it comes to culture that I like I said culture isn't sacred but I'm responsible as a parent to create a mindset in my children that we love all people and we don't just love them like oh we love them no they're all up in the house they're in my inner circle all different types of people regardless of where they are and what they do and the color of their skin or their ethnic I mean my kids I want them to grow up um, that have no clue that anybody would think of anything negative towards somebody because of how they look or the culture they come from and that is my responsibility because on the extreme you can have people raised as racist it's horrible but you can have on the and the same I'm, I'm gonna challenge the Saints here I'm the pastor here so I'm gonna preach amen but where we can raise our kids in an ethnic bubble and it and, and their understanding of culture is limited based on the bubble they grow up in. And in a multi-ethnic environment like Southern California, we have an opportunity to raise up a generation that knows how to bridge the gap and create a diverse environment. Why? Because Jesus said the way we treat and the way we communicate to somebody outside of our context is, is, can be a blessing or a curse and we don't want to do that. So 
All right. Ahead. Okay, here we go. One more question. Here we go. As we kind of transition this one, do you want to read that one? The last question here? What is our church's response, both biblically and missionally, to the border crisis and immigrants coming here? That's a good question. Very good question. Um, and I don't know that we can delve as deeply into um, this question uh, as we'd like. But um, what I think is most challenging about this situation now with the, with the border is the rhetoric surrounding the whole situation. I think that there's been language being used, words being used to describe people, to describe a situation that um, not only fuels division, um, it paints pictures in people's minds that um, will either do one of two things. It will feed something that's already there, that's already unhealthy, or, um, yeah, or it'll create something that's unhealthy, or it'll fuel people to do what's right and to stand up for what's right. We're not here to make a political statement about what's going on at the border. What we're here to do is to challenge you as believers. You need to watch what you say. Every single person in this world was created by God. Every single person. I don't care where they come from. I don't care... Um, what they're about, God created them. And as Christians, the second commandment is to love your neighbor. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, period. I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they came from. Your responsibility as a Christian is to love people. And I think this, let me add this. I think that, let me take it a step further. I believe that we should actively, intentionally, and on purpose love people outside of our culture loudly and proudly just to make a statement to the spiritual environment of our society. I believe we should be on purpose breaking down barriers, on purpose, all up in the mix. I'm the only white dude here, y'all. And I think, too, with... <laughs> Sorry, with, got, got a crazy idea. I was with like, what's going on? We have to remember to not get caught up in the the language and the the sensationalism of what's going on. The bottom line is: Are we loving people in action? Are we loving people in what we say? Um, and are people looking at us and seeing Jesus in how we're speaking about people and how we're treating people? And if you can't honestly say that in your thinking process, in your thoughts, whether it's your political views or whatever, um, is not filtered through the love of God, then you have to check something in your heart. If you are listening to everything that is being spewed at us, because um, there's a lot of information coming from a lot of different places, and depending on what side of the fence you sit on, you're gonna hear a lot of things that will either reinforce um, what you already think, or it'll start to challenge you. And I want to encourage you as a church, what is going on at the border? Um, this is an opportunity for the church to rise up and be a voice in a time that's needed. People need to hear what is right. They don't need to hear what you think. They don't need to hear what you feel per se. They need to hear what is right. And what is right is that we treat all people with respect, 
We love all people and people need to see Jesus through us. And whatever that means, whether it's you take an active role in loving people, because regardless of how the people, how people get to the border, regardless of how they get there, they're people and need to be treated like people and need to be spoken about like people. Um, and regardless of where you stand in this whole conversation, everything that comes out of your mouth better be a reflection of what's in the word of God. If anything that comes out of your mouth can come back around, because the Bible says, by our words we will be justified and by our words we will be condemned. And I wanna challenge you, church. Don't get emotional and just start spewing stuff that you hear other people talking about. You need to know what you're about. Here we come back to identity again. Know what you're about. Know that our primary um, purpose for being here, we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Everything else hangs on those two commandments. And if there are areas in your life, in your thought process, even with respect to this border crisis and what's going on, if there's something unhealthy in your perspective of this, regardless of what side of the fence you sit on, you need to submit it to the word of God, period. And we watch this and we see what's going on. We see and hear, I've never heard such hateful things spoken about people in my life. Like I feel like this culture, this, this world we're living in, it's just given permission for people to just say what they want and take no responsibility for what they're saying. And as believers, we don't have that right to say whatever we want and not think about the consequences of our words. Words will either breathe life or they will breathe death. And we know that. So even more, we have a responsibility to be the ones that will shut down those negative talks. We'll good. shut down people who are trying to influence people one way or another. And I'm not talking about getting on Facebook and having Facebook arguments. Like, use your minds. Like, be smart. Like, getting on Facebook and just saying stuff and then bouncing, that's like... Like, that was, that's we, we not say, responsible. Yeah, that's that is a, not yeah. a responsible relationship. If you want to have real talk about some tough situations, sit down and talk to someone. Talk to them. They might know somebody who's trying to cross the border, and maybe you might have a fresh perspective on what that's like. If you don't know anybody who's fighting to get, to get across the border in somewhere where it's a world where they want to experience something new, am I justifying illegal um, immigration? No, I am not. But what I'm saying is, whatever side of the fence you are, we're not, we don't get to take sides and just take sides just because that's how we feel. That is secondary to who we are as believers. It is secondary to what we're called to be to other people. We are called to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And if our language and our actions are not a reflection of that, You're not living like Jesus called you to live. And I'm not saying that. The Bible is saying that. Yeah. If you have a problem with that, you can take that up with Jesus yourself. But I'm trying to challenge you. It's hard talk because this is hard stuff. This is stuff that, that people are living every day. You're seeing it on your, your social media feeds. You're seeing it in the news. You're hearing it on the radio. Like It is nonstop onslaught of what's going on in the world. And if we're to be a people of faith in this world, we have to be different. We have to be different. 
And if people can't be around you and know that there's something different about the way you conduct yourself, then you're not. You're not being the light. You're not being the salt. There has to be something different about you. We talked about being sanctified and set apart, uncommon, special. What makes you special in this world? It's Jesus. And that is how we think, that is how we speak, that is how we live. That is first. Culture, everything else, my preferences, the way I view life, secondary. Because if it's not here, if this is not how I'm living my life, then I'm living it wrong as a Christian. It is what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you're not doing those things, you can't do anything else. Nothing else is going to work for you if you don't love God first and if you don't love your neighbor as yourself. Get those two right. And then everything else starts to kind of fall into place. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm able to, to do this. I'm able to step into this hard conversation that might be a little awkward for me, but know that I can stand here and speak truth where so many are speaking death. I know how hard it is when you're in a workplace and you have people on completely opposite sides of the fence on these issues, and you're sitting here watching conversations going back and forth, and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> when did it get this way where we lack respect for people? Like, don't disrespect people. There's still people. And if you heard someone talking to your mom like that, would that be okay? No. People are people. God created. When you think about that, the next time you look someone in the face and they're disagreeing with you, think about how God created them and how much God loves them. And then open your mouth and start talking and see what comes out. Because when we start viewing people as God views them, it changes the way we view life. It changes the way we deal with people. And the way we deal with people doesn't depend on what they look like. God created everybody. He created you. He made you. And you're no special than the person sitting next to you. We're all special in God's eyes. We're all his number one. That's right. Because we can be, because he's God. So we don't get to diminish God's creation because we have a, a, a dirty filter. We don't get to do that. Right. We just don't. And I hope you hear my voice in your head the next time a situation comes up and you're like, God created this person. Yeah, amen. I have to love this person even if I cannot stand the things that are coming out of their mouths. I have to love this person. God created, I don't care if you have to repeat that thing in your head over and over. <laughs> but remember, because it's important, because you might be spending eternity with these people this is just a moment. Earth is just a moment. And how we live here has eternal impact on people's lives. How we live here can determine if someone is going to know that Jesus is real because of how you act. How powerful is that? That people are looking at us and wondering how we're different. I get that question all the time. Like, why are you this way? How are you this way? I say, it's Jesus. There is no way I could be this way without Jesus. No way. 
No way. So be that for people in this world that is full of crazy. Be the person of faith. Be the person that carries hope. Be the person that carries life and light. Be the person that can come and bring. Be the peacemaker, the peacekeeper. Be that person. Don't be the person that stirs up strife and division. Be the bridge. You choose to be the bridge. When no one else is going to do it, you choose to do it. Even if it sets you apart from people who are like you. Yeah. Choose the one that's being mistreated. Jesus Jesus always always sided with the the disenfranchised. Always. Women in that culture were treated like second-class citizens, and he sided with them publicly time and time again. He did not compromise. He engaged culture. There was a standard he communicated, but he sided in a way that was counter-culture time and time again. The blind, the... The, the woman with the issue of blood, these people weren't accepted in public. And Jesus said, bring him here. Let me talk to him. And so I just want to end with this yeah. scripture here, and we're, we're almost done here. But in Matthew chapter 5, I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to pray. Matthew 5, I, I mentioned it, but I want to read it. This is Jesus talking. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Sanctuary LA, that whoever's angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, or fool, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Our words, the way we communicate to others, carry weight and they reverberate through eternity. And let's choose our words wisely. Amen. Let's, let's be a pers- people of faith in today's culture. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.